We'll give you time to do that. And then for those of us that are here in the sanctuary, I want to invite you, if you have a Bible handy, and I pray that you do, that we'll open it up to Proverbs chapter 13 this morning as we continue on in our series in practical living. Again, being reminded, you know, that Solomon, uh, for the most part, he wrote this book for his son. He's ministering to his son and uh, teaching him really practical ways in life that he can exercise wisdom. You know, again, as I was sharing with you last week, you know, there's uh, the book of Proverbs doesn't talk about heaven. It really, the whole emphasis is life here on earth and how we can uh, live practically or how we can live uh, walking in wisdom. And so it's very applicable to us today. That's why we study it. And uh, I said the, the best way to study through this book is literally just to start in chapter one and read it all the way through to chapter 31. And you can do that every single day. And like I said, some of the greatest you know, men and women of uh, the Christian faith uh, will remind us that uh, this is a book that they put into practice each and every day of their life for just that very purpose, to live practically, is to read one chapter a day and do it once a month and uh, on top of the other reading, the other devotion that you would do. And uh, it's very, very beneficial in our life. Uh, again, as we think about the Word of God being a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, uh, God really uses uh, the book of Proverbs uh, in a very profound way uh, in our lives. And so uh, with joy, we study it. And uh, again, there's a lot of ways that we can do it. And one of the ways that we're doing this, because uh, on Wednesday night, as I was sharing with you, John Jones is teaching through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And so we'll be in the book of uh, Proverbs, taking it just chapter by chapter and verse by verse. So I'm hitting some of the, the high points, you might say, of uh, the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs deals uh, uh, probably in this topic more than any is in the area of relationships, whether it's a relationship with uh, parents to children or children to parents, uh, whether it's a work relationship or it's friendship, um, how we relate you know, to one another. It's really all about relationships. And, and that's really the, the key to life is knowing that uh, when you break down as Jesus would declare, you know, that the greatest commandment is to love God and to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. And so it all boils down to relationships. That's what it's all about. And so I look forward to sharing some of these uh, passages with you and some thoughts and insights uh, into uh, what I've titled this morning's message, The Power of People. The Power of People. And we'll take a moment here and we'll pray. And so, Father, as we open up your word and really just kind of chew on uh, just one particular passage and then jump from it to other places in your word. May you, uh, Lord, cause it to take deep root in all of our lives, Lord. As you declare, Lord Jesus, that man can't, can't live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so as we feed this morning on your word, may we grow spiritually, Lord. May the inner man be strengthened in these difficult days in which we live. May you strengthen us, Lord, that we could not only be a blessing, Lord, to you uh, as we honor you with our lives, but Lord, that we could be a blessing to other people as well, especially in these days in which we live. And so, Lord, we're asking you to work in us, work in our friends, Lord. Uh, thank you for the church today. Thank you for the friendships that we enjoy here. 
And uh, Lord, we understand uh, the power of people and the difference that they've made in our life. And we just thank you, Lord, for being our friend today as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, as you, you look at this, there's probably a number of different things that, you know, as I think about, you know, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, you can look at that passage there with me. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And so Solomon here, again, he's using a couplet, a contrast. He's d demonstrating for us the wise and the foolish person here. He's been speaking to his son about all these different topics. And, and again, here now he's reminding us of the power of relationships. And I, like I said, the title in this, The Power of People. You know, it's been well said that, uh, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And when you think about that, that's so, so true in our life. You know, so Solomon is, is, is talking to his son and he's, and he's reminding them that, you know, God uses people to direct our paths. He uses the right people to steer us in the right direction and the wrong people can come along and, and seek to steer us in the wrong direction. I want you to think back with me for just a moment here. Can you remember a time that you got in trouble? Raise your hand. You can remember a time in your life you got in trouble. Did you do it by yourself or does somebody else come to mind usually right away? You know, there's usually, we, it's not by ourselves. It's usually, you know, misery loves company is the old kind of expression there. I want you to think about, you know, you don't have to do this on paper, but it might be something you could do later on at home. List, if you would, in, in the five closest friends that you have. I want you to think that through today and this week as you're studying through this. The five closest friends that you have. You know, behavioral scientists tell us if you want to learn who you are as a person is identify who the five closest people in your life are and then do something. Take the top one, who's the number one influence, take them out and take the worst one out. And then take, you have three left basically. And those three people, scientists tell us, you know, because science is, you know, We've been learning a lot about science here lately, right? Science tells us that we are pretty much the composite of those three people. That, that gives us an idea of who we are and, just as important, where we're probably headed in our lives. It's maybe a little interesting uh, uh, journey you can take uh, of self, uh, some introspection there, you know, this week. Let me ask you this. How would you define, and again, thinking of that, how would you define friendship? What is a friend to you? And everybody has different definitions of this. I had never read this until this week. Facebook. This is Facebook's version of friendship. I'm not making this up. It says this. A Facebook friend may or may not be someone with whom you've ever met or interacted with other than requesting that he or she be added to your network or that you confirm that he or she is added to your network. Some Facebook friends are close friends with whom you keep in touch with on a regular basis. So in one sense, Facebook's idea of a friend is really shallow. You don't even have to ever meet them in person. You can just like them on Facebook so it goes to the number of people who can say that they like you, you know. And if you've ever been unliked, you know the pain that comes with that, and you'll spend hours trying to figure out who that person was going through your list there. You know. But Proverbs 17, 17 tells us this, and especially in a, in, a, in a world that is so much into liking and unliking, you get to vote on everything. You know, if you go to a restaurant, like I said, it's becoming, you know, everybody's a critic, and you're being asked to be, be a critic. 
And, you know, so it's thumbs up or thumbs down, right? So if you watch something, is it thumbs up, thumbs down? And that's, some people look at that right away and they go, okay, that's how they're going to judge, you know, whether they go there or they don't go there, if they like it or if they don't like it. Proverbs 17, 17 puts it like this, though, for you and I. He says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. So how, how long does a friend love, according to, this, according to the Bible? All the time, right? There, there's no... You don't friend and unfriend. You're not, that's, not, that's not God's concept of friendship. And really, it comes back to himself and the nature of God and the love of God. You know, that, uh, again, his love is eternal. God, his very nature. It's not like God chooses in the sense to love. He is love. And, and that's a, a wonderful thing for us. You can study 1 John chapter 4. You know, the, so many different studies have been done in the United States of America through the years, and it's really not changed since about the, the late 1960s, that psychologists tell us that uh, on average, the average person only has two to three close friends. When you think about it, we have a lot of associates, we have a lot of people that we come in contact with, but not a lot of deep friends. And if I put this out as a... As for you, as a congregation that's here, and those of you that are following at home today, what would you think the number one reason is as to why people have fewer friends today than ever before in human history? Why would you say that? What, what would you say? Go ahead and throw out some. What, what's, what's keeping people from having deep friendships or close friendships? Technology, there you go. The very thing that was supposed to bring us together is doing what? It's keeping us apart. Yeah, and it's, and it's so, so true. Because what is social media doing? It's changing the way that we see and define friends. Just as I just read to you what Facebook's definition of friendship is. So when people grow up into that environment, all of a sudden you go, well, a friend is someone who, who likes me, who follows me on social media. That's, that's what a friend is. You know, and some people call them trolls. There's just someone who's following you. That doesn't mean they like you. They just literally want to, you know, they could be spying. As a matter of fact, people used to get arrested for that. It's called stalking, right? And you go, but now it's the considered, you know, in if it's the, they're going, I, you, they like me. So that, that makes it important to us. And yet, you know, you think about how it has removed us from the face-to-face -face interaction. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I like social media. I like, there's certain things I like about it because it helps me to stay connected to people that I love. That, you know, I have a daughter and, and, and son-in-law and two grandchildren that live up in Walnut Creek that I, I don't get to see as often as I'd like. And so I thank God for, for FaceTime and, and for Zoom and all the different technologies that are out there. I love my daughter's social media accounts. I get to see pictures almost, you know, every day. But you know what? I'm going through pages and, and somebody, you know, who I, I like and, you know, that is a friend. But I mean, who cares what you had for breakfast in the morning? I mean, here, somebody, seriously, someone took a picture of a bowl of oatmeal with some fruit on it the other day. And I was looking at it and I was waiting for the caption. Like, you know, there was some deep, you know, meaning of life or something. And it was just, they just wanted people to see the bowl of oatmeal that they were having for breakfast. And what, what, is interesting to me is like, when in human history would that have ever been important? I mean, before technology, did you ever take a bowl of cereal over to your friend's house and go, hey, hey just, you know what, I, I just couldn't get my day going without, I want you to come over and see, I got blueberries on my, 
on my oatmeal. It's like, no, we, we've become so interested in so many things that are, in the truest sense, are bizarre, but we're learning it because of social media. And it, again, unfortunately, is causing many to not enjoy face-to-face -face meetings, but have relied more on technology. And, and because of that, what happens? Well, then it becomes not about who we are, but it becomes about perceived image, right? I mean, I'm talking to people and they go, hey, you know, Pastor Mike, um, you can get this app and it'll make you look younger. And I'm like, really? And they go, oh yeah, they have, there's apps. You can take pictures of your, and matter of fact, there's YouTube videos. You can get out, it'll tell you what angle to hold the phone in and how to make yourself look better, what clothes to wear, how to do your hair, you know? How to, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like people worry, they're worried about that. And they go, oh Yeah. Yeah. And then you can get filters on top of that to put on the picture. So, you know, I mean, you can like, you know, if you've got like wrinkles on your face, you can actually, they have a thing that just takes them out. And I'm like, okay, I, you know, I get that, but it didn't, and it doesn't interest me, but I get it because with regard to social media and it, we become so consumed with ourselves versus the way that God has wired us and intends us to be. I mean, you think about how he created us in the very beginning. He created us for community. He created us for unity and technology is pulling us from that uh, more today than, like I said, ever before. And it just continues to grow in our life. Is there anybody in here that you go, man, you are not into technology at all, that you don't even, you're not on any kind of social media is there anybody here? So we all pretty much, there's a couple of you, yeah. And you go, and that's, and that's a good thing. When you think about, and again, it, it's okay, you know, again, I don't want to completely, you know, wipe out social media because obviously you couldn't. And, and there is a place for it, but it's always meant to enhance or to supplement relationship. It's not in place of it. And so much of what we're studying and what we're seeing, and as we meet with people in counseling that are struggling through interpersonal relationships, it's the unfortunate way that social media was designed to begin with. It, it's succeeding in what it was created to do. It, it wasn't as innocent as, as many people would believe, that there is an addictive you know, proponent to social media. And those that, that created it knew that going into it. And so we're finding people being victimized by social media today. And so we have a lot of people, you know, asking, you know, ourselves, you know, what can I do to be a better friend? And I want to give you a couple of things when you think about this, because here in, you know, the book of Proverbs, it speaks much about relationships. And if you're interested in growing in your friendships with others, you know, number one, you know, the, I think the number one way that we can all become better friends. Number one is be where you are. You, you know what I mean by that? Be where you are. Is wherever you're at, be 100% there. And, and what I mean is because, again, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, you've been hearing a lot of this during this whole COVID thing, you know, as we've been dealing with this of, you know, do we meet on, online? Do we meet in person? Is it safe? Is it not? And taking all those things aside, again, just what God's word says and the importance of us seeing each other face to face. And again, that, that it, and it was never intended in the original context when God gave us his word. That wasn't, he wasn't thinking of social media. I can tell you that. It was always about person to person. And Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. 
And so what is he saying? He's don't neglect, you know, meeting physically with a spiritual and for a spiritual purpose. I mean, you think about that, you know, coming together, you know, to stir one another up to acts of love and, and helping one another to find a place where we can serve God. We can serve him, you know, independently. We can serve him collectively. And we do that by doing what? We pray. We, we seek him. We seek him with and we seek him for one another. There's something powerful, isn't there, about praying with other people? I mean, it's one thing. Have you ever been going through something in your life and, and someone said, hey, I'll pray for you? And, and you go, that, that, that means a lot. But I'll tell you what, it means a lot more when someone goes, hey, can I pray with you? Can I, can I pray for you? And, and then stops and, and literally just in that moment prays for you. There's something about the presence of God, you know, that is unique when we come together, when we meet face to face. God knew that. He wired us for that. There's a longing you know, as families, you know, and I think about this as we get together, there's so much distraction with social media. You know, we go to restaurants and you'll see even couples, they're sitting across from each other. They're together and it's just them and they're on their phones. I'm wondering if they're talking to each other. You know, it's like, it's just easier to text, you know, they go, and, and I, and I do understand that I was laughing, you know, a couple of weeks ago about in my relationship with my parents, you know, hearing my mom talk about, you know, my dad, after he went home to be with the Lord, my mom would tell me, she said, you know, honey, there was times when your dad would, he'd be watching TV and he would call me on the phone from the back room. He'd call her. And I said, you're kidding me. And he she said, no, she said, he'd call me and say, hey, Sharon, uh, can you get me something out of the refrigerator? And my, and my mom skip, you know, get up, you know, walk to the kitchen, you know, and, uh, but he, but you know, it's just, easier to, to use, you know, technology. Uh, we had friends growing up that my mom and dad took us to visit. Uh, they were my mom and dad's earliest childhood friends, but they had known them when my mom and dad were both really young. We remained lifelong friends till the day that they died. And they were very wealthy. And uh, we went and stayed with them. And they, they were so wealthy that they had parts of their house that they, they didn't even use at certain times of the year. Like they had a section of their house that was just for the kids. And they just kept the door closed and they only opened it up when the kids came home for, you know, holidays and stuff. And uh, so we're sitting at the, at the table and at the dinner table and we're all talking and I'm, and I'm looking at everybody and nobody's looking at the other person. There's a TV on, they had a TV and I'm not, this is no exaggeration, no embellishment. They had a TV in every room, every room. You think about that every room in the house. And we're sitting there. And, and so when you're talking to somebody, be like, if I'm talking, you know, to John and there's a TV behind him, what usually happens is this movie, you find, you watch their eyes and you go, they're not even listening. They're watching, you know, it's like a horse race or something, you know, on television there. And they're just, and they're looking at the TV that's behind, you know, me. And in every room, there was a TV on. And this was, you know, back in the 1980s. And I think about that. And you think today with now, it's just in our hands. And you go, are we, are we really there? And so when you think about that, one of the best ways that you and I can be a better friend is just be there. What, what does that mean then? Taking your phone and doing what? Putting it away. Putting it up. Remove the distraction. If there's a rule in all this, number one is make people a priority. Make them a priority. And if you think like that and you make them a priority, then again, social media will go somewhere by the wayside. The second way to be a better friend is be who you are. 
And you see, one of the, the struggles, like I said, that we're having with social media today, when, when you think about this and walking in wisdom and being foolish in our lives, thinking about Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 there, you know, be transparent. You know, be, be a what you see is what you get. You know, Jesus, you know, condemned, you know, hypocrisy. He, he was judging, you know, bringing judgment against the Pharisees. He said who they basically, they were one way outwardly, but they were another way inwardly. And guess what? Social media plays right into that. As we try to present, are we in a, on our social media account? I mean, did you get up in the morning? Do you just take a picture of yourself and go, is, and then put that on social media? For the most part, no. People put their what? Their best foot forward. It's the, it's the you, you put forward the perceived or the, the perception that, that you're hoping that people will see from you. So you have time to, to plan it and to carry it all out versus it just being real life. And so there, there's so much that, like I said, that we can glean from this. You know, and, and one of the struggles, and it's so sad, you know, that we, we face today, especially in counseling, is that people have a, a growing fear of talking talking with other people. And you think about it, you go, why is this happening? You go, because of social media. You think about just technology through the years. I mean, an answering machine does what for you with regard to your ability or inability to interact with other people? If the phone rings, some people let every single phone call go to the answering machine. And they do that because you get accustomed to doing what? Is if you have to talk to the person, you don't necessarily get to control the conversation. You have to kind of wing it. You have to go by whatever the conversation is. But if you listen to the message, then you can do what? You can think about what your response is going to be. What I always laugh about is when you get the phone call and then text the return message. You know, like sometimes I do that right in the middle of, I'll be in a meeting and my phone will go off. And if it's somebody that I'm waiting for something for, I'm going, oh man, so I kind of know what it is. So I'm texting them during the, the thing I have. I'm in a meeting, but I'll, I'll get your message later. But I wanted to text you, you know, now. And, you know, and some people just in the middle, and you can do it both ways. It's just one of those things I, I'm, I'm more prevy to, you know, today is that, you know, some people just stop and go, hey, hold on a second. Hey, you know, hey, so-and-so, hey, I'm in a meeting right now. Can I call you, you know, call you back? They're both going to delay, you know, your attentiveness. They, social media, like I said, phones, whatever, it can all get in the way. The key is, is making people the priority. And just as you're there and as you're with them, is like I said, is be completely who you are. You know, again, you don't have to pretend. I mean, we're sinners saved by grace, amen? And we don't have to pretend to be something in the truest sense that we're not. I shared this with you a couple weeks ago, and I just want to bring back the, the thought to you today. You know, we, as 1 John 1, 9 tells us that as we confess our sins to God, we're forgiven, right? So when we blow it, we understand this. We can go immediately to God and we're forgiven. But God, most of the time, brings healing into our lives through other people. And that can be a lot of different ways. That, that can be healing through doctors. That can be healing through just simply you know, the confession of our sin to one another. Is that we know that, you know, it's one thing to go, I know God forgives me. But you go, well, if God forgives everybody, then why isn't everybody healthy? And you go, because we're still living in brokenness towards one another. There's a vertical and there's a horizontal relationship. And so when we can't be true to who we are, 
and we can't come clean with who we are, then we never experience that healing. Well, the Bible teaches us one of the best ways that we can experience healing then is what? It says, confess your trespasses in James 5, 16 to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I just want to keep reminding you of that, that yes, your forgiveness from God is, is instantaneous. As soon as you pray, you're forgiven. But oftentimes the healing won't come until you're able to confess it and get it out and to, to feel that, again, one of the great blessings that we have in the life of the church, and it's a point I'll really make later on, is three things make up you know, the church when you think about the relationships and why God desires that we experience community together. It's love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Love, acceptance, and forgiveness. We are all longing for those things. And there's no greater portrait of that than the body of Christ when it's functioning the way that God desires that it function. I mean, ask yourself, you know, this question. How would your life be different if you were healed today of the hangups, the hurts, the heartaches, the sin? If, if you literally, if you think in your heart, you can think back in your own, what, what's, what's your struggle today? If you were healed from that completely, how different would your life be? Be who you are. Understand, you know, God loves us just like we are, but he loves us too much to leave us the way that we are. And it's being real. You, you want to, again, experience deeper, better friendships. Be all there. And be who you are. Be yourself. Don't be somebody else. Don't, don't get all caught up in the social media aspects, you know, of life. You know, God created you. And it's, a, it's, it's such a sad, you know, quote, but uh, it's so profound that we were all born originals, but most of us die copies. And, and we're seeing it more and more. And, we're, and it's probably why people are, you know, more today than at any other time in human history why there's so much loneliness in the world. Because people are, uh, they're on an identity crisis. You know, we have the world telling us all these things and God, you know, he's whispering to us about who we really are, who we truly are in him. But I want you to think about this with regard to friendship today. I mean, to think that, you know, the power of relationships, the power of people that in your life and in my life, and this is why we always want to keep moving forward, that you might just be one person away I mean, think about this. You might be just one, one friend away from the biggest breakthrough in your life. One friend away from experiencing the biggest breakthrough in your life. Again, show me who your friends are and I'll show you your future. That's really what it comes down to. There's just some things, like I said, that God wants to accomplish in you and I that he can only do and he will only do as we live in community, as we live in unity with other people. You go back to look at that, you know, in Proverbs 13, 20. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. So you become wise by doing what? Walking with the wise. It was George Washington had a proverb, probably this proverb in mind when he said, it is better to be alone than in bad company. Uh, Gautier said, tell me whom you associate and I will tell you who you are. And there's so much truth to that. I mean, think about there's 331 million people over that in, in the U.S. today, yet over 40, between 40 and 50% claim that they're lonely. That's not God's plan. And again, 
Why? Because I truly believe, you know, our, I believe technology is moving us more into an age of isolation than it is community. And again, of all the things you know, that Solomon is bringing out to his son is the power of people, relationships. It's all about relationships. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. You think about that. Community, living in community. I, I, I love this story I read this week as I was studying. It was a story of some hikers in 1981. They were physically, there was nine physically handicapped uh, people and they, were, they conquered Mount Rainier. Uh, one of them had an artificial leg. The other was an epileptic. Two were deaf and five were blind. Can you imagine this? Uh, Going to climb a 14 plus thousand foot, you know, mountain. And uh, once they topped the, the peak there, 14,410 feet, it says they joined hands and they walked across the summit. They signed the logbook on the top of the tallest mountain in the United States. And when a reporter asked them how they managed to perform such an amazing feat, one of the blind members of the party said, we had a lot of help from each other on the trip. Well, they had to rely on each other. You know, that's one of the, it's one of the, the sad things with regard to COVID. And you think about all that's going on, you know, in the world today. And there, there really is an attack against the church because if there's ever a time when the church was needed in the world, it's today. I mean, if, if all these things are happening and you're not hearing the news, you know, each and every day of the number of, of divorces that are taking place, the number of suicides that are up, the, the, I mean, the, I mean, you talk about the mental health issues uh, in this world today, uh, in the United States of America, the things that people are struggling through, you know, because why? We weren't created for isolation. We weren't created, you know, to be separate from one another. And we're seeing the toll that it takes. It's the law of reaping and sowing. Yes, there are dangers and there's precautions. Yes, absolutely, things need to take place. You go, but people still have need. You're not going to give a stimulus check that's going to satisfy. Entertaining people isn't going to satisfy that. As you know, the saying goes, there's a God-shaped void in all of our hearts that only God himself can, can fill. And so again, not looking, you know, to the world, not looking to social media, all these things to try to fill that void that God has designed for people to fill, for friendships to fill. And so when you think about, you know, sociologists have it correct that, you know, the average person you know, only has, you know, three close friends. You think about what friends do we need, you know, in our life? And uh, it's really the second point you know, I wanted to make here. There's, there's three friends, if you're a note taker, that each of us needs. And I, and I think about, here's Solomon talking to his son. He's, now we're reading this in the book of Proverbs, right? And he's talking about walking with foolish people. He's talking about walking in wisdom. So he can talk about his own father, David. David's life is a, is a great model for us to look at as these three friends. And so you think about your own life and you think about if I said Pick the five people in your life. Take the top one out. Take the bottom one out. Take those three friends. Hopefully, you've got friends like this. First, you know, friend we think of is, is a Samuel. Do you have a Samuel in your life? And a Samuel, you might say, he's a, he's a, he's a crown bestower. He's a friend that makes you better. And, and again, what did Samuel do? And, and, and I love this. And we're talking about spiritual things here, spiritual truths. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, 
But the Lord said to Samuel, remember, you know, Samuel, he goes to Jesse's house and he's going to anoint, you know, one of his kids. And he starts with the oldest and works his way down. He goes, hey, you know, ask him, is there anybody, you know, left? And yeah, there's one kid. He's out in the, out in the field here. And, and, uh, and so God says to Samuel, uh, the priest, the prophet, he says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, having someone like Samuel in your life, what did Samuel see? Samuel saw something in David that David didn't even see in himself. That's one of the great blessings that you and I have in the body of Christ is to see through spiritual eyes, to see in other people the gifts of God that they don't even see in themselves and then encourage them to exercise those gifts. There's no greater satisfaction in this life than to help people discover their God-given purpose. There's no greater satisfaction than to watch people, you know, just to function within their God-given desires and to watch how God, you know, has gifted them and to be able to be part of that. And so to have a Samuel in your life or to be that Samuel, you know, again, I love that expression that says, I went to church, you know, looking for a friend and I found none, but I went to church to be a friend and I made many. So you go, oh, you might be sitting there going, you know, Pastor Mike, I don't have a Samuel in my life that's seeing that. You go, well, then you be that. You be Samuel. You know, you be. Second is a Jonathan, a friend who helps us find strength when we're weak. Do you have somebody in your life that comes along like that? You think about, you know, uh, just in a nutshell, you know, here's David who is anointed king. You know, Jonathan recognizes, you know, that, that there's an anointing upon David's life. Jonathan also knows that his father Saul is king and that in the natural right in a monarchy that, that Jonathan would be the heir apparent to the very throne. And yet he recognizes that God is doing something different. And, he, and it says that he you know, recognized not only what God was doing, it says that, that Jonathan would listen to David and he listened to him talk to uh, Saul, his father, about you know, this battle with Goliath and all the things that you know, were in David's heart. And it says, and the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and he loved him as himself. And it's a beautiful friendship, you know, that, that ensues. And so much so when, when, you know, you hear the songs, you know, that John's going through the book of Psalms, you know, that, you know, Saul would slay his thousands and David is, you know, 10,000s and, and Saul becomes jealous, you know, over, over David and, and attempts to kill him. That Jonathan, his own son, risks his own life and travels basically 30 miles on foot to encourage and to strengthen his friend. You know, in 1 Samuel 23, you know, again, he goes to him and he doesn't just, you know, again, it's that old expression of he didn't just go and pray for him in that respect. He went and he prayed with him. It's being there. It's that type of a friend, a friend that comes alongside to encourage you. You know, Hebrews ten twenty four again reminds us, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and the good works. Have you ever had someone say to you, and we're talking about spiritual things that said, hey, you know what? You're on my heart today. You know, or, hey, the last couple of days I've been thinking about you and just praying for you. I mean, does that encourage you? It definitely does me. You know, and someone says, hey, you know, I just want you to know, you know, I'm, I'm praying for you. You know, being that, and we can be that for other people. We have, hopefully you have people in your life that are being that for you. Be a Jonathan. Then maybe the more difficult one is a Nathan. And Nathan is, you know, 
uh, the one who, our friend who tells us the truth, even when it hurts. You remember, you know, Nathan was the prophet who came to David there in 2 Samuel chapter 12. You know, when David sinned with Bathsheba and he tells him the story, he said, hey, there's this guy, he's rich and he's got a bunch of sheep and some cows. And there's this other guy, he's all he's got is this one little ewe lamb. And, you know, and the guy who's rich takes it and, you know, and David becomes incensed, right? And he's like, you know, well, what should we do? And he's like, he should kill the man. He should repay. And then Nathan says, you're the man. I was like, oh, you know, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Deceitful is the kiss of an enemy. You know, the beauty of that, though, think about without Nathan, would we've ever had Psalm 51? No. I mean, you think about the hurt that it sometimes brings, but the joy, you know, we were just singing about that this morning, but joy comes in the morning. You know, again, Hebrews 10, 25, why it's so important. You know, you might be that friend that changes the destiny of another person by just being willing to get with them. But yet, if we don't get together and we're not coming together, how are we ever going to, I mean, these aren't things that you do. And I, I, I encourage people all the time. I go, hey, if you're ever in a situation where you're studying Matthew chapter 18 and you're having conflict with someone, what you never do is do it over a phone. You never do it through a text message. And we walk through what is communication. Communication is what? It's the words we use. It's the tone of our voice. And it's body language. Well, what happens when you use a text message? You lose two-thirds of what clear communication is. You lose tone and you lose body language. And you wonder why, you know, you end up in a fight, you know, with people. And you go, because God had always intended it to be face-to-face. And so here's Nathan, you know, coming face-to-face. And out of that, like I said, is, is repentance then. It took a while, took a year, basically. But then Psalm 51 comes from that. Again, it's living in community. We need community. We need coming together. You know, like I said, Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. You know, being reminded, looking at everything through spiritual eyes. You know, isn't that what happened to Paul who was Saul? Remember when he encountered Jesus for the very first time in the book of Acts? What happened? says that he, he became blind, right? Because he was blind to the truth of God. He was blind to God's ways. But then God did what? Jesus healed his eyes. And it changed the way that Paul saw people. He said, no longer do I see a man according to the flesh any longer. God needs to touch my eyes. He needs to touch your eyes if we're going to see people the way that God sees them. Would you agree that, you know, being independent is unchristian? Did God create us to be independent? No, all through scripture. First Corinthians chapter 12, for in fact, the body is not one member, but it's many. But though it's many, it's one. Yes, we are a part of that body. Independent in the sense of, you know, we are unique and distinct, but we are to be lived out in community. I mean, you know, we're not to be disjointed, you know, out of place. That, that's what it would be. And so, again, it's recognizing, you know, that we are, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's, 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 the, it's where our health comes from, is that we are dependent upon God. We are dependent upon one another. That's why walking in love, walking in the truth is so important to us that, that we can depend on God and that we can depend on each other. 
And something, you know, again, it's it, with regard to our faith, it's, it's a personal faith. People go, well, my, my faith is personal, but our faith isn't just personal. It's also shared, right? I mean, it's something that God has called us to share with other people. It wasn't, it, no man's an island. We don't live to ourselves. We don't even die to ourselves. But, and we need to be reminded of that. You know, Matthew 18, 20, what a, what a beautiful picture it gives us here. And this had to do with obviously conflict in relationships. When you look at the context of Matthew chapter 18, and it says, where two or three are gathered in my name, that there I am in the midst of thee. There's, there's something, something very special, you know, about the fact that when people come together unified, that there, there's something in the, with the presence of God that takes place there. You know, and it's really interesting, you know, that to me, that this past week uh, I had read where, uh, again, these were inventions, okay, that have actually led to the breakdown in interpersonal relationships throughout history with our technology. Because a lot of technology is about developing what? Convenience, right? Comfort and things like that. Do you know that the air conditioner has led to a greater sense of independency and a lack of interpersonal relationships? You ever thought about that? An, an air conditioner and you go, why? Well, if you ever grew up with a swamp cooler, there'd be points in Bakersfield where it actually would be cooler outside than it would be in the house, right? So what did it do? It, it, without air conditioner, it drove you into a more public setting. And you were interacting with other people. Now, this was an interesting one for me because my parents both grew up in Indiana. The detached garage. Now, when the attached garage was invented, you know, they used to have detached garages. So you would park your car in a detached garage, and then what did you have to do? You had to carry your groceries out, right? And that gave your neighbors opportunity. You see shows and stuff for them to come out and go, hey, how you doing? Or, you know, and then you couldn't get away, right? You know, because you had to walk from the detached garage to the house. You couldn't escape them. But man, when they developed the attached garage, you became like a king in your castle, right? All you do is hit the drawbridge. That's your garage door. And you go across your moat. That's your driveway. And you close that, that gate behind you. And you're safe in your home, you know. And, and I thought, I go, man, these are, these are pretty amazing. Like I said, the answering machine. Great invention, right? You used to have to answer the phone. Then you go, oh, and then somebody came up with the answer machine. Now you could screen your calls. Don't want to talk to them. Don't have to, you know, all these things, you know, that we have in life. You know, and I put in bold print in my notes here. You know, when we feel empty in life, we tend to think something is missing. But something's missing from our lives when probably, in fact, it's not something, it's someone. You ever thought about that? Have you ever had just this kind of ache in your heart. You just feel like, man, something, something's missing. But you always think of, well, if I had more of this, or if I had more of this, or if I had more of this. And, and maybe what God is really trying to get at in all of our lives is when you have that thing of, oh, what's really missing is intimacy. Is the very thing that God has provided in himself and through his church. That's why, you know, connect groups are so, so important to us. You know, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 45, it says, and let us consider one another to stir up love and good works and not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together. And again, oh, I'm, I'm, what I just did was I just read uh, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10. Um, what I wondered was Acts 2, 42 through 45. 
So what did they do in Acts 2, 42 through 45? It says, and they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and their fellowship and the breaking of bread. And, and it says, and they assembled together. And it says, and the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. And you go, it's, it's an amazing thing, you know, what God does, you know, when we function within the community that God has created. That's one of the great beauties is the local church. And the, the last point I want to make before I send you out today and it's really the hardest when you think about, you know, Proverbs thirteen twenty. It can be such a, a struggle, you know, for us as he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. You know, I, I put this as kind of like out with the old and in with the new. You know, when you became born again, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you know, you, you put to death the deeds of your flesh. And you began to walk in the Spirit because the Spirit of God dwells within you. And, you know, as I opened up the service today, you know, one of the issues in social media is always comes down to, you know, friending someone or unfriending, you know. And you don't think about it in life, but there are times, you know, where God calls us to defriend. And I don't mean that we ever stop loving people. That's not what I'm saying at all because we're called to love and, but we're not always, you know, friendship is, is actually a higher level than, than love is. We're called to love even our enemies, right? But we're not called to befriend them. We're not, we don't have to bring them into our home per se. That, that was something very unique within the Jewish culture to be able to sit at a table. That's why communion is so, so important in the life of a believer is to think that we get to dip, you know, our bread with Jesus and we drink and they drank of the same cup and they ate from the same loaf. There's an intimacy even in that. And there was something mystic. There was something spiritual, you know, about that relationship. And yet there's so much, you know, with regard to scripture, you know, when we think about, you know, your friends are your future you. And, and that's why the Bible says, you know, bad company corrupts good morals, you know, and don't be unequally yoked. And, and yet sometimes we try to, you know, still hold on to our old earthly relationships, you know, prior to, you know, coming to Christ and, and then trying to hold on to these new relationships that we have in Jesus. And we find ourselves, you know, caught, you know, right in the middle of this. And yet, like I said, as we think about friendships today and being the best friend that we can be and walking with the wise and and identifying, you know, the foolish, you know, people in our lives. Sometimes that, that leads us to difficult decisions. You know, I, I'm reminded of a, it was a promotion that Burger King did back in 2009. They read this campaign. They said, if you would unfriend 10 of your Facebook friends, they would send you a coupon for a free Whopper. Do you remember that? And uh, within, within a week, you know, it says that they got back, uh, 233,906 friendships were terminated. The, the, this, this promotion went over so well that it cost Burger King 23,000 uh, uh, Whoppers in one week. They had, to, they had to do away with it. How quickly people would, would unfriend their friend to get a Whopper, you know? And uh, so the, the reminder here is, you know, people do, they come and people go. Friends, in the sense, come and, and friends go but we have a relationship that's available to each and every one of us with Jesus. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
And you might be in a place today where you're identifying just in this one passage of Scripture, you know, um, Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Whether you think about your own life or the people that you're, you know, on your top five, and those people that are in your life today, if you go and you look at that list of people and you go, man, in my list of close friends, I've got to say that, man, when I hang around them, they don't lead me closer to Jesus. They actually lead me further away. Those would be the relationships that you'd really have to pray about. God, is this a relationship that you want me to stay in? And I know people, they, it's like, you know, the old thing of missionary dating, you know, for singles. They go, well, you know, I just, if I, you know, uh, bring him to church, you know, maybe he'll become a Christian or maybe she'll become a Christian. And they're like, it doesn't usually work that way. It usually goes the other way. They're going to pull you down. It's not going to be you pulling them up. And this is where trusting God comes in. And, and I know that these can be hard decisions, you know, that we need to make in our life. And, and I just, I want to just encourage you this week, be prayerful about this. You know, and this is what Solomon, you know, was driving home with his son. And it's what I want to just drive home in your heart and in my own heart today. It says, he who walks with wise men there in Proverbs 13, 20 will be wise. But he who's a companion of fools will be destroyed is that you would look at your relationships and they go, are you helping me get closer to Jesus? And if not, and sometimes those are the hard, hard things. I remember, you know, Dr. Billy Graham saying that uh, when he was growing up as a young man, that he met a girl that he wanted to date. And she said that she couldn't go out with him and she couldn't do anything with him because she was a Christian and he wasn't. And he said that that, that helped lead him uh, to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because he had a desire, but he was going, I, I, I got to get some things then right in my life. And he ended up not, you know, going out with this girl, but, uh, you know, imagine her crown in heaven one day of just living a faithful testimony before the Lord. Well, that'll be a jewel in her crown. But holding that line, you know, 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three, like I said, it says, do not be deceived for evil company corrupts good habits. 2 Corinthians 6.14 goes on, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? And it hurts sometimes. You know, John 15, verses 1 and 2. Jesus said this, he said, I'm the true vine, and my Father takes care of the vineyard. He removes every one of the branches that doesn't produce fruit. He also prunes every branch that does produce fruit to make it produce even more fruit. You think about that. God sometimes prunes the relationships in our life because what does is, what is pruning that tree do? It helps its roots go deeper. That what? That its reach can go further. So if God is working in your life today and he's going, I want you to cut those relationships out of your life, it's not to make you unfruitful, it's to make you more fruitful because he wants your roots to grow deeper so that as you grow and mature, your reach can grow further. But it starts with your relationship with the Lord. And I love this. And I close with this. Maybe today, when you think about friends, maybe today's a, a day to say, God, I, I need to make new friends. And I need to make you my best friend. That, that's where it really starts. 
Everything stems from that. The greatest commandment, like I said, to be a, be a good friend, be a best friend, to have a best friend, it all stems from and flows from the very cross of Jesus Christ. To love God first and foremost and then to love our neighbor as ourself, it all comes out of that relationship with him. And you might be thinking, you know, ah, you know, does, Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with me. But that's not true because his word says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And even more so when I think about, you know, John's gospel in John 15, 15, Jesus said this. He said, I don't call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. He says, but I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. And that's what he's done. He wants a friendship with us. He is that friend that will stick closer than a brother. When other people will walk away because of who Jesus is, he will never walk away. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Draw close to him and he'll draw close to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, we pray this morning, Lord, that you would help us to be uh, the friends, Lord, that you desire us to be. And that, Father, we could enjoy friendships with others. Uh, that, Lord, they would be who, God, you've created them to be. That's one of the great blessings of the body of Christ. The, the world, uh, Lord, they should look at the church today and go, I don't understand a lot of what they believe, but, Lord, I want what, they, I want what they've got. And what we have is, Jesus, you said it best. You said, by this all men will know you're my disciples because you have love one for another. And so, Lord, we pray for our friendships. We pray for our relationships today that, Lord, they would be God-honoring, that we would truly help people grow closer to you and that our friends would help us grow closer to you as well. And so, Lord, have your way. Have your way in us, Lord. And most of all, Lord, today, thank you for being our best friend. Thank you for being that friend that sticks closer than a brother ever could. Thank you for being that brother to us that was born even for adversity in our life, that no matter what we go through, Lord, you're always there. And we love you for that. And we appreciate you for that today as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.